You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Teresa Curley. Hey, and I'm Deacon Paul Trine, and we're broadcasting now from the Abbey of the Hills in beautiful downtown Marvin, South Dakota, in northeast South Dakota. Welcome. We've been having some technical difficulties this morning, huh, Teresa? It's been an adventure, but we're good to go, and we're excited to keep on going with the show. Yeah, we, we are excited, and we've got a lot of hands working on trying to solve this, and that's... That's the beautiful thing about community is that uh, we're not on this by ourselves by any stretch. So, yeah. So um, it's my understanding that we're going to have a, a a really kind of really interesting, really interesting um, guest coming on board. His name is Patrick Eustace, and um, I don't know, Patrick, are you on yet? Uh, he's not on yet. So, all right, that's fine. You know, I'm 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 going to ask Teresa. You know, this is your first time to the Abbey. You you arrived here yesterday, right? Yes. So yeah, give me your impressions. It is so peaceful. Like, um, I went out for a walk last night, and everything was just so still, and the voice of God is really loud. Like, it was beautiful. I definitely want to come back for a retreat. Yeah, we can talk about that, because there's actually a couple of a couple of women's retreats coming up this fall. We'll get to that maybe in a little bit, but um, we also have... Um, this uh, this group that's here right now, the, the youth directors from Region 8, so s- several different dioceses have uh, sent representatives here to, to kind of meet and retreat and, and have meetings, and I think it's a beautiful place to conduct that. So we're glad to welcome that. And speaking of welcome now, do we have Patrick on Patrick board? Patrick is on the line. Hey, Pat. How are you doing, Paul? Pat, can you hear? <laughs> I'm doing good. Well, it's great to hear your voice. Um, maybe tell folks a little bit about yourself, Patrick, who Patrick Eustace is. Uh, well, um, I am the second oldest of 12 children of uh, Joseph and Renee Eustace. I grew up in Ortonville, Minnesota. Um, I have a wife and four kids myself, um, three girls and a boy, age range from 11 down to uh, uh, 2. And uh, spent the last 16 years of my life in the Minnesota National Guard, um, currently with what's called the AGR program, the Active Guard Reserve, uh, which uh, basically it, uh, I'm an active duty soldier, and I, instead of working on an Army base, I work at an armory within the state of Minnesota, which uh, is currently Alexandria, Minnesota, for Charlie Betty 1194 FA. Um, okay. Uh, that's that's pretty much a run, quick rundown of of me. So Patrick's a little bit nervous about being on the radio, and he forgot to mention his beautiful wife, Aaron's first name. So we want to make sure we give a plug to her because she's awesome. She was actually on uh, Real Presence Radio when we did Live Drive last spring. So oh, neat. yeah, that was really a lot of fun. So okay. The reason I have you on here is for two, re- three, or four, maybe seventeen <laughs> reasons. But number one, you're, you're you're a wonderful man, and you're a wonderful Catholic man, a father, husband, and I'm also curious, Pat. Like we talked off air when we discussed this, you're just coming back from Afghanistan. You got back when? I 
I left Afghanistan in the middle of July. Uh, I actually ended the deployment uh, on the thir- 31st of July. Uh, I, I landed back in Minnesota. Of this last. So you haven't even been back in Minnesota. Yeah, you haven't even been back on Minnesota soil two months yet. It's not even been two months, correct? Yep. A couple, okay, so yeah. it feels like it feels like yesterday. Yeah, yeah, I bet it does. Can you tell me, you know, what's been the most challenging thing about coming back? Because we're going to talk about what it was like when you were there, but I want to talk about coming back. Um, how's that transition been going for you, Pat? Well, um, I think I guess I don't know. If luckily, is the term to use, but luckily, this wasn't my first appointment. Um, Ten years, almost 11 years ago, um, I, I deployed uh, to Kuwait with uh, actually my father and uh, one of my brothers. We were all fortunate enough to be in the same area at the same time. And uh, mm-hmm. having gone through that experience, it made this one way, way easier um, from the aspect of yeah. I knew what to expect. Uh, I was able, my wife and I were able to, to plan better for what we were going to go through and what our plan was coming home. Uh, 11 years ago, I came home as a, uh, a 23-year-old young E5 that uh, maybe didn't really understand why we were in the country doing what we had to do. Um, and I was pretty, honestly, a little angry and, and, and things coming home, and it didn't really deal with that transition very well. Uh, fast forward till now, um, much different place in my life, a little older, we have the kids, uh, which help a lot, um, and this just the planning aspect of actually planning to be home uh, has really made this transition really easy. And I, I can't thank my wife enough. Um, she she really handled this last year uh, amazingly, um, and, and she's made this transition back just uh, a lot easier than like I said that when we went through it 11 years ago. Uh, we we both didn't do a very good job of it. Uh, but we were able to learn from those mistakes and, and really make this, this transition back uh, for her and I. Uh, we, we were able to make that a little easier, and it allow, it's allowed us to focus on our kids um, who, who really took it probably tougher than, than my wife because we had been through it before. Sure. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about some of the people that you encountered in Afghanistan. We hear a lot back here in the States about the Taliban and things like that. But before we get to that, can you share what was maybe the most challenging part? Because you were over there how many months? We were in country for a little over nine months. What was the most challenging component of being in country to your Catholic faith? What was the hardest thing about you know, trying to live out that Catholic faith that you were raised in. I know your folks very, very well. They raised you well. But what's the most challenging thing as a U.S. soldier representing the United States in terms of living out your Catholic faith there? Well, that's a good question. Uh, well, the, one, of the, one of the biggest parts that, um, unfortunately, it's not the most accessible, especially in a forward environment like that, um, is, is going to Mass. Um, it's already difficult in general, uh, over there, um, just to find time for things that aren't what you consider mission essential, right? Because we're we're there to to do a certain thing and there's time frames and shifts and things. Um, so we have chaplains and, 
and, and services available, but we don't always have the, the best opportunity for math. Um, like I spoke, uh, I deployed earlier on that particular deployment. There was a there was a church and everything set up on our base, and, and we were leaving that country. Uh, we were in Kuwait, that country. We've been we've been there for well, 30, 40 years, right? And and so it was very established. And so we had the opportunity to go to mass every every Sunday, just like I had a, at home. Well, here in Afghanistan, on this one, we were in the process of 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 tearing down and leaving that country, while still trying to support the mission that we were doing in that country. So something like having mass every week just wasn't available. Um, so we had the um, we had a little group of uh, of us, uh, five or six of us that. We had to, to kind of find our own ways to um, to keep up on things like that. Uh, more or less, it was kind of like a prayer group, honestly. Um, okay. And, and you just got to find time when you can. Uh, it might not always be as much as you like or the, the once-a-week type thing like you would have with math, but uh, you, you find time where you can because it, sure. it, it, I think if you lose that part of it when you're there, um, you kind of lose why you're doing it to begin with. Uh, and, yeah. and it makes the deployment a whole lot tougher when uh, you're, you're asking. We start asking questions of why am I here and what am I doing. Your, your mind's not in the right place. So when you're when you're good with the spiritual aspect of what we're asked to do over there, uh, it makes the job a whole lot easier to do. Wow, you really put that very very well. We're talking with Patrick Eustis, who who's in the Army National Guard. Um, just returned back from Afghanistan. We're going to need to take a short break right now, Pat. Can you hang on with us through the break, and we can talk about this some more? All right, terrific. Thank you. All right, we'll be right back with more Real Presence Live just around the corner. Stay with us. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. Hello, this is Father Timothy Lang from the Diocese of Duluth. I just want to say a few words to any young men who might be thinking about being a priest. You know, there's this tr- three truths that God made you. He made you for a purpose, and you'll be most happy doing His purpose. And so whoever we are, young or old, men or women, if we're asking what God wants for us, don't be afraid. And don't be afraid, especially if you're a young man or maybe not so young man, thinking about what God might be calling you to do. Don't be afraid to give God the first chance. You won't be disappointed, and you won't be outdone in generosity. I've been a priest for about two and a half years, and I like to say I've hardly worked a day of my life in the sense that it's so joyful 
doing what God has called us to do. Let's pray for the Holy Spirit to guide us, lead us into all truth, and that he might reveal to us just the next little step that God has in his plan for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Tracy Barnes from the Cathedral of Our Lady of Perpetual Help in Rapid City, South Dakota. Thank you for listening to Real Presence Radio. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us on Real Presence Live. I'm Teresa Curley. Hello, Teresa Curley. This is Deacon Paul Trinan. We're here at the Abbey of the Hills Inner Retreat Center, and we're having this wonderful conversation with a man of faith, but also a man who... uh, who serves us, and, uh, and I'm saying all of us, in the, in the U.S. military through the Army. Um, just got back about two months ago from Afghanistan, uh, deployment, a second deployment, and that's Patrick Eustace. And welcome back, Patrick. It's great to have you. Thank you. So, right before the break, we were talking about you know, living out this, this faith of ours, this wonderful faith um, and how difficult it can be when you're on deployment, and especially in an area that's not as established. You compared your earlier um, deployment about 10 or 12 years ago in Kuwait being more kind of uh, formal and more established versus the one in, you just experienced in Afghanistan. I'm really curious. I'd like to get your perspective. We hear it from the news so often, but what's your perspective on the people you encountered in Afghanistan? Um, Speak to that a little bit, would you, Patrick? Yeah. Um, so the the majority of the people that you directly encounter, uh, or at least that we did in the time that I was there, um, most of them are, are people who work on the base with you, and, and they're actually there to support to support us. Um, so things, um, you know, like just general cleaning of our buildings and um, and food prep and and things like that. All those types of things that. Um, normally, we would take care of ourselves, um, get taken care of for us over there because uh, they want you to just focus on the, the, the mission tasking, the, the military aspect of things. So um, as far as people setting up building and, and anything that would that would that you would need, um, that gets contracted out through, uh, through military contractors. And a lot of those individuals that fill those roles are local nationals. Um, and, and be that not necessarily always Afghanistan nationals that, that for the country that I was in, um, but from all over the Middle East. Um, we worked with people from Pakistan, Saudi Arabia. They, they all get, get fooled around, um, and mostly because they, they'll make more money working for us than they would in their, north, their country. So they come and work for us um, to be able to provide for their families. And for those people, uh, working with them is, is always a a good experience. They, like I said, they they want us to be there, and, and they appreciate what we do for them, um, trying to help keep their their country safer. Um, so, so interacting with them is is usually a good experience. Um, you get to know them a little bit. You know, they just like us. They've left their family. Um, they have wife and kids and and things at home that that they're trying to provide for. They just do it in a different capacity. Um, but they're all yeah. very gracious people, and and they definitely. Um, Appreciate what we do over there. Generally, generally good people. It sounds like, right? 
Yeah, the ones that you directly involve with. Um, you know, so, you look at the other. So then, tell me. Oh, go ahead. Well, one of the things I want to get from you, Patrick, is your perspective on the Taliban and, and how that differentiates from the group you just described. Uh, well, that, them for us, uh, for me specifically, I don't, I don't necessarily want to speak on behalf of the whole Army. I'll just give you my experience. Um, but how I viewed them, they're, they're not a very, you know, they might seem like they have large numbers, um, you know, certainly some of the reports that on some of these places, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of fighters and things they say that they have. Um, and, and, and maybe, you know, I'm sure they have way more number of, of actual what they decide are fighters than I am even aware of. Um, but in all reality, as far as I'm concerned, they, they're they a very small demographic of that country. They don't represent the whole of the country, their, their ideas and their radicalism. That isn't what the whole country is. Um, unfortunately, uh, when you have a, a large enough group that, that rules by fear, um, they're able to take over small pockets in the general populace, and they're able to, to run kind of rampant um, because not enough of, of the people that I first described are in a position to maybe defend themselves without assistance. Um, all the actual Afghanis that... Um, that I had first described, most of those people want to just be left alone, honestly, to farm and to, to live their life and, and, and to, to just, you know, what you and I would normally do. Just their, their view of normal is a little different than, a, a little bit different than ours. Um, they don't, you know, necessarily have all the technology and, and the stuff that we all maybe are drawn to. That's not a priority for them. Um, they have their own faith and, and their own things that they they pursue, and uh, the Taliban kind of just disrupts all of that. So, a, for a large majority of them, they they go with it just because it's a survival thing. They don't have they know that they can't do it themselves, and they would rather be alive um, than to be in the way of the yeah. Taliban. So it's unfortunate how it looks from afar when you're there and you're in it. Though it, you know, I don't want to downplay the significance of, of how dangerous it might be over there, but it, it doesn't. You don't feel that danger as much when you're there because you have your brothers and sisters in arms with you, and, and we're well trained, and and we we know what we're going to do, and we know what we stand for, and all those things make again our our job a lot easier to do than maybe it looks um, from the U.S. Yeah, and it's oftentimes taken for granted. So I think if if nothing else that we get from Real Presence Radio this morning is the sense of your faith and then the sense of our gratitude for what you did over mm -hmm. there. I want to make sure i got enough time to ask you two more quick questions, Pat. When the U.S. withdrew, I think everybody was surprised at how poorly, I'll say, that went. Yeah, I'm not going to ask you to... To, to, to really state a, a factual army-based thing on strategy and what have you, but how did that make you feel as a man, as a as a as someone who who laid, you know, put his life on the line, and then to see it so quickly absorbed um, after our removal? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. That, that I've I've been asked that a lot um, since being back. Um, and it's probably the most asked question of people. Um, and 
And then we, we had what's called a Post One event here this a, a week and a half ago. Um, that's uh, that's our first reintegration event um, for coming home. It's called a Post One event mm-hmm. where we okay. we've been off for about thirty or so days, and, and we get the whole unit together, and we and we have um, organizations and and opportunities there for people to talk to, um, behavior health specialists, counselors, any anything that our soldiers yeah. might need are at this event. And, and the, the big hit point of that weekend for us was to, to reiterate to our soldiers that um, we, we can no longer affect what we're doing over there. Um, but that doesn't mean that what we did for the last year and overall what, what, what the U.S. has done in that region for the last 20 years, that doesn't discount anything that happened um, because of, of what's going on now. This is just the next chapter um, in what's going on in that region. And so uh, the biggest thing for me, I, I was a little maybe just disappointed in the fact that um, the, the general citizen's never going to know the impact sure. um, that soldiers make uh, in a region like that while we're there, and especially in the last mm-hmm. um, several years. I, I know that we've been at war for quite some time, and I think there's a little bit of a, um, fatigue from it. Um, so, so most people don't understand how impactful our, our soldiers can be over there. And I just don't want that to be lost in the way that it's perceived to have ended. Um, because, um, like I said, for the year that we were there, uh, or at least involved, more involved with the area, uh, and even on the previous times that we've gone, while we were there, we did everything in our power to do our job to the best of our ability for that time. And when you Amen. leave, you have, to believe, I couldn't have, you have to believe that whoever replaces you is going to do the same. And, and you just yeah. you put your faith in that. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm proud of what we did while we were there. I'm proud of all my soldiers. And I hope that they remember that as the years pass on and they remember their experiences. And I want to ring the bell for that as well. I hope that's one of the things that people take from this interview is that we're awfully proud of what you guys did mm-hmm. for us over there and really Really grateful. I want to ask you one more question. I told you I was going to ask you this question offline, too, so i got to get it in. While you were over there, and I, I'm talking about on, you know, boots in country, like you said, what was your moment closest to Christ, the moment you felt closest to, to our Lord while you were there? you got one minute. Yeah. Um, well, I'll try, to, I'll try to do it quick. I'll preface it by saying every day when I drive the Word, the area I come into Alexandria as I come down the sail right before the armory. In the background, up above the armory, you can see the Catholic Church in Alexandria, and there's a big cross on top. And behind, just lower to that is the right side of the armory where a flake sits. And the closest I felt uh, to God when I was there uh, was after uh, an altercation uh, that we had. When I walked out of the building that morning, the, the moon was still in the sky, and the sun was coming over the mountains, beautiful mountains in Afghanistan. And there stands our American flag. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of coming to work and seeing the Catholic Church cross. Um, and that's, that's the feeling I don't think I'll ever forget. Wow. Well, we're, we're blessed to have had Patrick Eustace on Real Presence Radio this morning. Thank you, Patrick, for your service to our country. God bless you and Aaron and your four beautiful children. And hang on, we'll see you with Dr. Steve Ray right after this break.